Seth. Where's Seth? Thank you for sharing your testimony. What, uh, you have no idea the encouragement that was to my heart uh, just watching you up here testify of the awesomeness of our God. Um, yeah, just praise the Lord. Uh, well, like Pastor Joe said, my name is Mike Myosi. Um, I'm just a guy who gets the blessing of kind of globetrotting the world uh, to equip and encourage pastors in remote places and church leaders in remote places how to study, believe, and preach the Bible. Uh, and it is uh, a direct spread of grace ministries. It is, if you don't know this, you know, there's many new folks here. If you don't know this, our mission is a direct extension of Calvary Bible Church. You should know that if you don't. Uh, so I want to say to all of you, thank 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 you, and thank you, okay, uh, for your support, for your encouragement, for your prayers. I know that many of you already this morning have come up to me and said, you know, how did it go? We were praying for you. Well, I now have the gift of tongues, and I'm kidding, okay, but I... I honestly thought if what I experienced last week preaching the gospel for the first time in Spanish, uh, if, if it was anything even close to what happened in Acts 2, I was just stunned with how God could take a dirty old broken down vessel and use it in a way that that vessel knew that this, this vessel was really just a tool and God's glory was the point And he did it. And the beautiful thing is he did it through his saints. Isn't it amazing? Uh, So I want to thank you for all of your prayers, for me, for the work, for my family. My family is a very, very important part of this work. Uh, As I am gone a lot, it's tough on them. So I really do appreciate your prayers for my wife and my kids. Very, very important to us. So thank you. Um, we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians. You've been there. You've been learning, growing, studying 2 Thessalonians. So let's, let's turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. This really is a description of what happens all the time and what should happen all the time through the church for the go of the gospel. And today, I, I, that's, that's what I believe God would have us consider in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. A prayer for the go of the gospel. Let's read chapter 3 verse 1. Finally, brothers, pray for us. Who's that? Well, that's Paul and his companions the missionary work that they were doing, that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, those in Thessalonica, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. And I'd like to read verse 3 as well. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one or against evil itself. Paul wrote this letter, you you, you know this if you have been coming, Uh, he wrote it to urge 
the church in Thessalonica to take comfort in the light of Christ's coming. And in the meantime, as they waited and as we wait to live and grow in light of that coming. Paul wrote this letter while he and his companions, Silvanus, uh, Timothy, Aquila, Priscilla, most likely were, were, were ministering in Corinth where Paul was confronted with this united attack against the gospel. You, you can read about that in Acts chapter 18. The point of this passage uh, is pretty simple. This is, you know, I'm not breaking new ground here by any means. But the point is simple, and it is a reminder for us all who are part of the body of Christ. It's this. The church must pray for the go of the gospel. And, and Paul outlines really two specific requests for that very thing. And the first one is that God's word will advance. That's the request. Chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. Paul wanted to see the word of the Lord advance. Without a doubt, Paul was speaking specifically about the advancement of the gospel right here. Do you know the gospel this morning? It is that Christ died for your sins, that he was buried, and that uh, his, his death, in that death, it was an atoning sacrifice for your sins and my sins. His perfect life for for our sin-filled life. Then he rose, that's Christ, rose again on the third day, proving, number one, that his sacrifice was accepted by God in your place, in my place. And, and, and the scriptures teach us that when he rose, he rose for our justification, that we could stand right before God, despite our sins. And, and you know that we're all sinners, right? That anyone who would by faith repent and receive Christ would be justified before God. Wow! That is good news worth proclaiming. And that's what Paul and his companions were doing that is the word of the Lord Paul is talking about here in verse 1. Paul asked for two specific requests related to the go of this gospel, the advancement of this gospel. And the first was that it would, uh, as the ESV translates, speed ahead in verse 1. That it would speed ahead. It means to run all out, moving forward, wide open. This word was used of runners competing in a race. And you know what comes to my mind? It's, it's uh, the day when, I, I don't know if all of you have seen this or saw this at the time or if you were around at this time, but it was a, there was a day that Pastor Joe challenged his son Caleb. 
to, to a speed showdown in the park. You remember that? It was rigged, you say. Ah. How do I describe that day? Well, one of, one of them got such a lead that he was able to literally turn around and stride backwards to cross the finish line. The other, I mean the other, it was a picture of this right here. This all out, wide open, run as fast as you can to catch the one running backwards. Now, I won't mention who lost, but congratulations to Caleb. (laughs) I hope maybe he's watching today. (laughs) The implication here is that a runner is going all out, full bore to the finish line. Paul's prayer request was this, that the gospel... That the word of the Lord would run all out toward the goal. The salvation of God's chosen ones. It's an ironic request if you really think about it. Because seeing that that Paul just in chapter 2, the end of chapter 2, pointed out uh, God's sovereign election. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 13, but we always, we ought always to give thanks to God for you brothers beloved by the Lord because, guess what? God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Now, why pray for something that God is already going to do? Why preach it when God is going to do it anyway? And and I think that the answer is quite simple, although I'm quite simple-minded. It's because it utterly depends upon God. And he is giving us grace to participate in his work. It's God's plan to save people through the foolishness of preaching. Through the inconceivable act of praying to him. But it is what he does. And he does it very well. And he allows us to participate in this. Therefore, we must depend utterly upon him. The topic of Romans 9 is God's sovereign grace and election. And in salvation, Romans 9.16 says this, it says, So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Now that word exertion in Romans 9 verse 16 is the same word we have here, speed ahead. You see, this is not something that, that depends upon us. But God wants us to actively participate in his global work of advancing his gospel. And you know how we do it? We can pray and we can preach. The advancement of God's word utterly depends on the mercy of God. And God wants us to pray for it. 
God wants us to preach it. Paul's second request here in verse 2 was that God's word would be honored. And it means, it's, it's, it's the word for doxology. It's the word doxazo. It means to glorify. And that's exactly what we have here. This prayer that God's word would be doxologized in the hearts of people. How is his word glorified? Or as the translators give us here in our English version, English Standard Version, honored. How, how is it that the word of God is, is honored as it is advancing? It's honored when it's preached. It, it is honored when people receive it. It is honored when people accept it as it really is, as the word of God, not just the, the brainchild of men. It, it's honored when we submit to it, to its work. It, it's, it's honored when we obey. In Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas preached the word of the Lord in Antioch, Pisidia. Listen to what happened in Acts 13, verses 48 and 49. And when the Gentiles heard this, that, that's the gospel that they were preaching, the word of the Lord advancing. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. It's the same word. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. It's exactly what Paul was asking for prayer for right here. He knew. Now when he wrote this, it was, it was after that time. But he knew exactly how God does it. He wants to do it through the preaching. He wants to do it through the prayers of the church. To allow us to participate in his sovereign plan of redemption. It's fantastic. I don't know about you, but I'd have it no other way. So let's pray, you know. Paul's request that the gospel would speed ahead and that in its going forth, it would be honored, accepted. The gospel was just advanced to you this morning. Would you honor it? Number one, by repenting and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ for the, for the forgiveness of your sins. Would you do that? Brothers and sisters who have embraced that message of the gospel, would you today humble yourself and submit to it once again this week, reminding yourself of the blood of Christ that was shed for you and the powerful resurrection of Jesus Christ so that when you leave here, you go rejoicing and ready to spread that news? Would you go out of here today sanctified by that truth of the gospel In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, I mean, Paul, Paul said, you know, I want it to advance, pray that it would advance just like 
happened among you. Just as you honored it, pray for that to continue to happen. Well, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we, Paul wrote this. He says about this church, the Thessalonian church. For we know, brothers loved by God, that God has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. They repented. In fact, word about them spread. <laughs> about their repentance, it spread. They stopped serving idols and began to serve God. Their lives were transformed. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul wrote, When you receive the word of God, when you received it, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it really is the word of God, which is at work in you believers. It's the way that the word of God works. One of the most essential things I do in Spread of Grace is ask people to pray for the go of the gospel. And I have to do it all the time. Not that God's twisting my arm, but because I know this is what God does. It's how he does it. In September, we trained Ugandan pastors on the preaching of the gospel. The Sunday after training, we visited a brand new church plant. Their building consisted of a mango tree. Our Ugandan slash U.S. team preached the gospel while prayer warriors across the globe prayed like you. Afterwards, the young pastor invited people to accept the gospel. And I sat there along with my brother from America, and we just stared at each other like, what is happening right now? We were stunned as we watched an entire line of people line up kneel down to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Now, you could say, oh, wow, the great preaching, or this person, or that person. Let me tell you what it was. It was God's sovereign election enacted through the proclamation, the fullness of preaching, but the proclamation of his word, and as the church prayed, God saved his people. It's almost like the gospel is still the power of God for the salvation of anyone who believes. Don't let the lack of revival that you see in America keep you from praying for the go of the gospel because I want to tell you something. God has not ceased his work. I beg you to pray for it. And for everyone out there preaching it. And I know you're good at it. Don't stop. Don't quit. This is a profound responsibility of the church and it simply is the sovereign plan of God. The church must pray for the go of the gospel in two ways. The first is that God's word will advance and the second, Paul says, that God's servants will be delivered. Look what he says in verse two. And that we may be delivered 
from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Why did Paul ask for deliverance? So that God's word would not be hindered from advancing. Now, the, the, the Thessalonian church knew firsthand the need for deliverance from evil and wicked men. You've been studying this. You, you probably know this. They, I mean, it, Pastor Joe described it last night as, you know, they didn't have like a moment's rest from persecution as soon as they became believers, right? That's how the church got started in Acts chapter 17 with a mob attacking Jason's house, dragging him outside, stealing his money. But when Paul asked for the church to pray for deliverance, he had a very specific situation confronting him in Corinth. There he was at that time, and in Acts 18, you can read about this, uh, but verses 9 and 10, God told Paul something. This is what God told Paul. He actually revealed sort of his sovereign plan for Paul's time in Corinth ahead of time. He said to Paul, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. There's that sovereign election thing again. As is like God, <laughs> he tends to, have you ever noticed this in your life? He tends to let the odds stack up against himself. <laughs> but he does it to show off his great glory. And, and he, you know, it was no different in Corinth. He demonstrated his faithfulness. How else are we going to know it unless those odds get stacked up? The Jews in Corinth the text says in Acts 18, made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the governor, the proconsul, Gallio. You, you remember that story? Now remember, this was the time period in which Paul wrote this letter, 2 Thessalonians, and asked the church to pray for deliverance. So he already knew what God's plan was, but he asked the church to pray for this deliverance. And he says, with an exclamation point, God is faithful, right? He knows it. Why did he ask for this? So that the word of the Lord would run ahead as God intended unhindered. Just imagine, you know, the church in Thessalonica was praying. Paul was standing before the governor of the region what was God's will in this situation? Well, we know it was that Paul would not be harmed. While it looked for a moment in Acts 18, that harm might come, God fulfilled his promise. Just as Paul was about to open his mouth, in fact, he hadn't uttered a word before that proconsul. There he was, accused, standing before the government, official, before he could ever let a word, and I love it because it's, we're, we're, when you read that text, you're thinking, okay, Lord, how are you going to do this? Paul is just about to open his mouth to make a defense before Gallio, the governor, 
And then the governor spoke up instead. He spoke up and he dismissed the entire case. And instead of Paul being beaten, Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, probably one of the the main antagonists who, who brought this whole united attack against Paul, he was beaten instead. Indeed, God is faithful. He literally, God literally flipped the situation back on its head. And by the way, do you know what one of the primary accusations against Paul and his friends were? Turning the world upside down. I can tell you by repeated firsthand experience that every time I go on a mission, the gospel is opposed every single time. But what I also find is that as the church prays, God is so good to unveil his faithfulness in powerful ways. And he often flips the opposition on its head. And he always shows off his glory really well. Uh, Two weeks ago, I was uh, supposed to depart for Mexico. Two days before I was supposed to leave, it looked like I wouldn't even be going due to, really, as verse 3 describes, the, the evil one concocting a plan behind the scenes Uh, opposing the preaching of the gospel, God reminded me to ask people to pray. So I did. And God flipped it on its head. Not only did I go, but last Sunday, I had what I believe is going to be one of the most treasured days in ministry I have ever experienced. I preached my very first sermon completely in Spanish. I preached sermons before, but not in Spanish. And it was kind of like, I'm just going to, I don't know how to describe that, but it was sort of like this bit of an out-of-body experience. Like there was this body standing up there, blabbing away, but I was kind of like going, what is happening right now? And in my consciousness, even as I proclaimed the gospel, I can tell you, you know what was in my mind? Two things. You praying. And God just doing it. Just doing it. I couldn't even pronounce the word uh, evangelio correct. What's that? It's the, the word gospel in Spanish. Okay. But they understood. It was not some dirty, broken gringo vessel doing that. That was God. It was the sovereign grace of God working through the prayers of the saints. 
Many have asked me if I was nervous. I said, no, I wasn't. (laughs) Not because I didn't have an opportunity to be. You know why? Because the church was praying and God was faithful. Despite all the work that had gone against that opportunity to preach the gospel, I knew God was raising up his church to pray and I knew God was going to be faithful because that's how he operates. If you haven't figured that out yet, let today be the day. He sent me this this reminder. I, I, I was waiting you know, to, to go up. I'm sitting in the back thinking, man, I should have read it again. I should have, I should have practiced again. I should have, I should have, I should have, I should have. When, bling, on my phone. In the mountains of Mexico. Bling. Just moments before I was about to preach, I got this message from my daughter. Not sure when you'll see this, but I'm thinking of you today and praying that your Spanish speaking goes well today. You got this, daddy-o. Smiley face emoji, smiley face heart emoji. (laughs) I just had to hold back the tears in a moment like that. It's the beauty of how God does it, you see. It's the beauty of how God advances his gospel. That he would, that he would use, God, God has chosen his people, why not just pluck them? But he has chosen to use dirty, rotten <laughs> vessels like you and me to pick them off the shelf and use them. And then to use all these other vessels to be right there, part of it. Through the prayers of the saints. God is faithful. Our text this morning is a prayer for the go of the gospel. And it's about our God's sovereign faithfulness realized through the prayer of the church longing and begging for the advancement of God's kingdom plan until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together with him. Praying and going is what we must do until that day. That is our rally cry as a church. The application of this entire thing is this. Pray for the advancement of the gospel church. God wants to use even you. Father, we want to thank you even for the privilege and blessing it is to be any remote part of what you're doing in your sovereign plan. I mean, to think that you are the holy, holier, holiest being in all of creation, over all that is, to consider your grandiose nature, the purity and absolute power and fierceness of your nature. And that any one of us who would ever attempt to stand before you in our own sin deserves annihilation, deserves wrath. Oh, The fact that you would provide the gracious sacrifice 
of the second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ, to pay for our sins, to pay for them, to pay the penalty, to take our place, to atone for us, sinners like us, and then for him to rise from the grave for our justification. Oh God, we thank you for that. And our prayer today is that if there is one who does not believe that yet, that is one of yours that you are plucking right now out of the wrath, that God today would be the day of their salvation. That they would believe, repent and believe. But God, to think of all that and to think that even you, oh great holy God, would even consider using us It's truly unfathomable to us. But it is your desire. And we do give you thanks. And though we do not deserve to carry the sandals of Jesus, you have chosen for us to participate in your sovereign work to advance your kingdom. We thank you. And I want to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are faithfully proclaiming the gospel today. Dear God, that your word would go forth unhindered. That, dear God, it would run forth all out toward your goal of the rescuing of your people. And that, God, anyone who would try to get in the way that God, you would deliver our brothers and sisters around the world from that evil, that nothing would stand in the way of your word. Thank you for your love, in Jesus' name, amen.